Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, take your Bibles, turn over to guess where? Galatians chapter 1. You all did listen. Uh, sometimes you wonder. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, Anybody remember years ago there was a movie out called Born Free uh, about the lions? Yeah, Born Free, as free as the wind blows. That... Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, that movie at all, but uh, it was about a guy by the name of George Adamson and his wife Joy. George was out in the bush in Africa one day, and when he was attacked by a lion and had to shoot and kill the lion. He later discovered the lion was attacking him because she had just given birth to three cubs and was trying to protect them and thought he'd gotten too close. Uh, and so George and his wife Joy took the, uh, the lion cubs in, began to feed them like with a baby bottle to help them survive. Uh, two of the lions grew rapidly. Uh, they were given to the Rotterdam Zoo, but the third that they had named Elsa uh, was kind of the runt of the litter and uh, had trouble uh, as she was growing up, and they took a lot of pains to try to keep her healthy. As Elsa slowly grew up, they thought, okay, the time has come. She's going to have to, we're going to have to do something with her as well. But they couldn't bear to give her to the zoo, uh, as they had the other two, because she'd been with them for so long. And Joy said, this animal was born free and needs to live free. And so they, as they raised her, they, they got her used to hunting and things like that. They released her into the wild. A couple of years later, they returned to see if they could find her, if she was still alive, whatever. They ended up finding Elsa, now an adult uh, lion. And here's some of the pictures after they found her out in the wild uh, a couple of years later. Uh, just unbelievable. Uh, the next one here as well. Uh, just uh, that the lion not only remembered them, uh, but then the great, the great love that was still there. So an animal that was born free. I tell you that because our theme for the book of Galatians is living free. And it's all about the fact that our salvation doesn't come from ourselves and doesn't come from what we're doing. It's a free gift from God. So take your Bibles, turn over to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And the first thing we see is this. The risen Christ gives us freedom and is our hope of salvation. Look down to the very first verse. Now... Today, when we write a letter, let's say you write a three-page letter to somebody. What's the very last thing you do in the letter? Sign your name. Uh, so you've written a three-page letter. At the end of it, you sign your name. If you don't put a return address on there, somebody has to read all three pages to find out who's sending them the letter. Okay. Now, that would have seemed pretty stupid back in Roman times. It may still be stupid today. What they did was... They put the name of the author at the beginning of the letter, not the end of the letter, so you would know who was writing it. Make sense? So that's exactly what we see happening here. He starts out with who the author is. I am Paul, an apostle. Now that doesn't sound like he's trying to immediately start a fight, does it? But he is. From the first three words of the letter, Paul is now getting into a fight with the people who are teaching you have to uh, follow these laws and regulations in order to be saved. Because this is what they were saying about Paul. Paul is not an apostle. 
He wasn't with Jesus. He's not one of the original disciples. The apostles are that group of people who were with Jesus. Therefore, he has no right to tell us what to do. So Paul, from the very beginning, says, I'm Paul. I am an apostle, not from man or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and with all of the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. So that's kind of the introduction. In the very introduction, he begins his argument. The book of Galatians, Paul is very, very aggressive from beginning to end. It's a letter where he's constantly going after those who have disagreed with him. We see that at the very beginning. Then he goes on and he gets right to the heart of what he's saying. And again, it sounds kind of innocuous if you don't know what's going on. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, grace and peace were two terms that Paul often used in great greetings or closings of his letter. They're particularly important here because what are they arguing about? How are you saved? And Paul's saying, you're saved by grace alone. So the very first thing he says after the introduction is that grace. And what does the word grace mean? An unmerited, undeserved, free gift of God. Salvation is that. It is by grace. So right here at the beginning, he's arguing with them again. The way you're saved is grace, an undeserved free gift of God, and then peace. You're the ones causing turmoil. I'm trying to bring peace. So grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on again with words that don't seem uh, very challenging today, but in this context they were. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. That one sentence is Paul's argument for the rest of the book. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. That's the whole matter. How are you saved? You're saved by Jesus dying on the cross to take your sins upon him so that you could be forgiven. It's not what you are doing, it's what Jesus did for you. He rescued you from your sin. So our sins, those things that we were doing wrong, those things contrary to the will of God, are our bondage. It's keeping us in a prison away from God. God solved that by Jesus dying on the cross so that we can now have access to God. He has rescued us. He has made us free. So we no longer live a life constantly burdened by our sins. We have been forgiven of our sins. And so Paul begins that argument right here uh, that that's the way that you're saved and there's no other way. Now think how you would feel if you had been in bondage all of your life and you were suddenly set free from that bondage. There were two people I read a story about recently this week. Their names were Ricky Jackson and Willie Bradford. They've been in prison for 38 years for a murder they didn't commit. The witness was a 12-year-old boy who is now 40 who came forward and said, look, uh, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was scared to death, and I testified against these people when I shouldn't have, and they're innocent. They were released this week, and here's a picture of Bradford and Jackson as they were released, just overcome with emotion. Now, think about this. All those years in prison and then suddenly being set free. What Paul is saying is your whole life you've been in prison to your sins, and Jesus has now set you free He's now given you real freedom, and that's good news. The word gospel means good news. That was the term that was used to describe this. 
You can't save yourself. God loves you. Jesus died for you. You're saved through him. That's good news. So that's the beginning as Paul sets forth his argument. The next thing he does in verses 6 through 10 is Paul says this. When you add anything to God's grace, if you add anything to how you're saved, you are willingly going back into captivity. You are becoming a, a, a prisoner once again. You've been freed from your sins, but when you add something else to grace or to salvation, you go back into that captivity you've come from. Look at verse 6. I am astonished that you have so quickly deserted the one who has called you by the grace of God and turned to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. So Paul begins here and he says, man, I can't believe this. You've been saved, you've been forgiven, you've been set free, and now you willingly go back to captivity. Because what they were teaching was you had to follow these laws and regulations, you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Keep reading. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and they are perverting the gospel of Christ. Now again, every time you hear that word gospel, think of good news. There are some people who are trying to give you a different good news. But it's not good news at all. They have perverted the good news, is what Paul is saying. And I'm astonished that you're going along with it. So you're saved by grace, and now you're trying to add something to that grace and salvation. That means you're becoming a captive to what you've already been freed from. Now today, what are some ways we go back into captivity after being free uh, by grace? I think there's three main ways we do it today. One way is we do it through good works, personal works that, that we have in our life. I've got to add that to it. I just feel like I've got to clean myself up for God to accept me. If I don't get better, uh, then, then God's not going to, going to be with me. And so we're constantly trying to be good enough to be accepted by God. Now, here's the thing that you got to understand. God is perfect. And if you're trying to be good enough to be like God, it's never going to work. You will never be perfect. And so if you're adding your good works to the grace of God, you're always going to be frustrated. I'm trying so hard. Some days I do good. Some days I don't. Can't believe I did that again. You're in captivity. You're in bondage to your sins. You have been freed from those things. So when we act like we've got to be better in order for God to be pleased with us, we miss the whole point of what his grace and salvation is about in the first place. And here's a side note on that. The truth of the matter is you will never be good enough or Jesus wouldn't have had to have died in the first place. He died because of our sins. And so if you say, hey, get yourself cleaned up and act better, it's not going to work. You're never going to be where you were supposed to be with God. You will always, always be frustrated. So we add those good works sometimes. And I think more times than not, we say, I'm saved by grace, and then we try to live by following uh, the law and being good, and it just doesn't work for any of us, and probably most of us either. A second thing is right beliefs. We think, man, I've got to believe all the right things about God. If I believe all the right things about God, then I'll be saved, and uh, God will be pleased with me. Most people don't come to Christ believing all the right things or even knowing the right things. Some people come to Christ like this. Help. That's all they know. And God takes them right where they are and begins to grow and mature them. You don't have to have all the answers before you're saved. That's the beginning point. 
God grows you and matures you from that point. So if you think you have to believe all of the right things and do all of the right things, you're going back into captivity. You know what Paul said, and Paul probably knows more about the God in the Bible than we did. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, when it comes to God, the best I do is look through a glass darkly. That's the best he understood about God. Now, if that's the best Paul understood, how do we think our right beliefs are going to somehow put us in the right relationship uh, with God? God's going to take us and grow us and mature us uh, from that point. Give me an example of what I'm talking about. When I first began to pastor, uh, I pastored a, a small country church in Trimble County. And there was an independent church there that was teaching. Uh, when you were baptized, you had to say the name Jesus. And if you didn't say the name Jesus, then you weren't saved after your baptism. Now, at that point, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I preached a sermon, and I said something about, you know, what needs to happen is you have a radical transformation in your heart from God where you're born again. And, and your baptism was letting people know that you're saved, you know. When it was over, a guy who was going to be baptized the next Sunday said, Chip, I agree 100% with your sermon, but do you mind saying Jesus anyway when you baptize me? Just so I, I, I've got that. So when I baptized them, I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So whoever was right, that guy's going to heaven, okay? All those other people I baptized, you know, they're, they're kind of on the line there. Now, here's why Paul says that's not good news. If you have to add something to Jesus dying on the cross to be saved, that's no longer good news. It's something you're now doing to earn your salvation. I didn't say the right words, didn't believe the right things, didn't do enough good works. That's no longer good news. That becomes captivity again. And a third thing sometimes is church ritual. You have to follow my church rituals and do things the way I want to do it or you're not saved. Now, for Southern Baptists, one of those church rituals is walking down the aisle sometimes in a lot of churches. You can't be saved unless you walk down the aisle. You know, uh, you know well, I, I've made a profession. I prayed to Christ. Well, then you need to come down the aisle next Sunday. You know, glad you did that stuff, but, but you know, you need, to, you need to get down there. Uh, I baptized a, a boy one time in Owensboro. After a youth meeting, we were talking. He'd given his life to Christ. It was a Thursday night, and he said, hey, Chip, we're having a family reunion this weekend. Everybody from my family is going to be here. Can I be baptized this Sunday? And I said, oh, man, that'd be great. So I baptized him that Sunday. We had a deacon's meeting that afternoon. Guess what the first topic of conversation was? Did that boy walk the aisle? You know, I understand he accepted Christ and got baptized, but did he walk the aisle? You know, and I, so again, you're adding something to it. Uh, now, it, we have this belief that if you walk the aisle, like if you get halfway down it, you suddenly get the spirit, you know. <laughs> well, I'm saved now. Glad I walked that aisle, you know, or something like that. So when you add something to it, that's no longer good news. Look how adamantly Paul believes this down to verse 8. Even if we or an angel from heaven preach another good news or gospel, other than the one we have preached, let them be eternally condemned. Let them go to hell, he's saying. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Now those are some pretty strong words. And you've got to remember, he's five sentences into this letter right now. He's not trying 
uh, to get on anybody's good side. You think he is? He says he's not the next verse. I'm not trying to win the approval of men. I'm trying to win the approval of God. I don't try to please men. If I was trying to please men, I would no longer be a servant of Christ. So Paul being very aggressive here, saying you can't add anything to the good news of Jesus and his salvation or you are willingly going back into captivity. I am now captive to my sins. I'm captive to my beliefs. I'm captive to my church rituals. I'm no longer captive to the grace of God. Think what a frustrating life that must be. Uh, recently read a story about a man by the name of Roy Murphy. Been in prison most of his life. Got a picture of Roy here. He was let out of prison about a year and a half ago. Uh, just recently he was, uh, went to a uh, convenience store, walked in and said to the guy, I'm not going to hurt you and I, I, I don't have a gun or anything, but I'm robbing you. Give me some money. I'm going to sit down here and then call the police. And the guy said, what? And he said, just give me some money and call the police. And the guy said, look, you need to get out of here. You're acting kind of strange. And so he grabbed some stuff off the counter. He said, I'm stealing this. Call the police. So they called the police. Roy was arrested for trying to steal some stuff. The judge said, well, we think this, you know, you just need to see a counselor and a social worker, and I'm going to let you go. And Roy got up and said, please, please send me back to prison. It's scary out here. It's too big. I don't know how to live. I've lived my whole life in prison. If you let me go, I promise you I will commit another crime today, so they'll put me back in jail. Please let me go back to prison. So he gave him four years for what he had done. There are a lot of Christians who wouldn't use those words, but that's what we say. I am saved by grace and forgiven and set free. Now I'm going to put the chains back on me and live in bondage to my sin. Think how frustrating that has to be. Think how, how hard that must be to go back and say, now I'm going to live in bondage all over again. And yet that's exactly what we do when we add anything to the good news of Jesus. So that brings us to the next thing Paul says. Okay, the confidence that Paul has, how can he be so sure about this? His confidence in his salvation comes from two things. The unchanging gospel as revealed in scripture in Paul's changed life. This is what Paul says. I'm not telling you this because somebody taught it to me. I'm telling you this because God revealed it to me and my life's been changed because of it. Let's see how he argues those things down in verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, the gospel I preached isn't something I man made up. I didn't receive it from a man. I wasn't taught it by a man. I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was someone who hated Christians, was persecuting Christians, arresting Christians. And on the road to Damascus, God appeared to him in that light, and he was changed. And so Paul says, I don't need anybody to tell me anything. I've got a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, most of us don't have direct revelations on our salvation today. Most of you weren't driving to Walmart and a light hit you and said, be saved, and you agreed or something like that. Most of us have come to Christ from different ways. Uh, we've seen the need in our life. We, we've seen the, the goodness of God. But one way that we can have the same confidence Paul did is by the confidence we have in Holy Scripture, that this is the Word of God, that it's true, that it's reliable, and that we can trust it. Other things come and go. The truth of God's Scripture doesn't change. 
you know there are 5,080 manuscripts of the New Testament, and every one of them say the exact same thing? They, they, they don't vary. They're not off. They, they, and that's how reliable Scripture is. And they're, they're coming from the early 100s, just, just a few years after they were written. We have the exact manuscripts. They're very reliable. One of the great things about the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, some of them go back to 425 B.C., before Christ, 425 years. They say the exact same words that are in your Bible today. That's how reliable Scripture is. It is unchanging. It is faithful. Now, we talk about things being consistent and faithful today, like in Yellowstone, Old Faithful. Anybody ever been there, Old Faithful? Several, oh boy, a lot more of you than I thought. How'd you find Yellowstone out there? If you go to Yellowstone, though, there's a little sign when you go out to Old Faithful, and it says, it says Old Faithful will erupt every 35 to two, minutes to two hours. Does that sound like reliable to you? Every 35 minutes to two hours. That sounds like, okay, I've been here an hour and a half. Get on with it. You know, that's what it sounds like. But that's our attitude for faithfulness. But the word of God is consistent and reliable and unchanging over the years. We can depend upon that. The second thing Paul says is, and I only receive this by direct revelation, my changed life should say it. Now, you know Paul hated Christians, persecuted Christians, was putting Christians in jail. Look at what he says verse 13. You have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism behind many Jews of my own age and was extremely jealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't need to consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, I went instead to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. So Paul is saying, my changed life shows that what I said is true and reliable. Paul's life took a radical transformation from persecuting the church to preaching in the name of Jesus. Has your life undergone a transformation? When you look at your life and as the way you're living it, is it different because of what you believe in Jesus because it's supposed to be and it should be. Paul wraps up at the end of chapter 1. Let's look at that. After three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. I stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I, I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. I later went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the church of Judah that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who once persecuted the church... Uh, and tried to destroy it, now believes, and they praise God because of me. So he just says, my changed life shows everything. So what's the point of what we're trying to do today? Okay, great. We're saved by grace, nothing else. What can I take with me that really makes a difference? Two things, I think. Number one, you can have confidence in your salvation today because your salvation isn't something you were doing, it's something Jesus is doing. If your salvation was based on something you had to do, I've got to be good enough, I've got to know the right things, I have to follow the right ritual, then you should be afraid that maybe you left something out. Or maybe you weren't quite good enough. Or maybe you didn't do the right rituals. If salvation depended on you, you could worry. But your salvation isn't dependent upon you, it's dependent upon Jesus. And that's why in 1 John, John says we can come before God with great boldness. Because it's not what I am doing, it's what he has done for me. 
And so you stand before God and say, it's not me, it's what Jesus did. He's forgiven me and made me your child and an heir of your kingdom. And so that gives you confidence. If you've been worried about your salvation or if you've done the right things or believed all the right things, you can have confidence and hope and boldness in knowing you're depending on Jesus and what he's done for you, and that's unshakable. The second thing I would say that we get from this is that when you've had that change of God in your life, it sets you free, and a life of freedom in Christ is different than a life of bondage. And I'm going to very briefly explain the difference. Here's a life of bondage. You get up in the morning, and for most of us, our Christian life revolves around trying not to do some bad things. So we get up and we say, okay, Lord, I get angry at people. Help me not be angry today. Lord, I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I sometimes gossip. Help me not gossip today. I, I do internet porn. Help me not do internet porn this afternoon. Uh, you know, whatever uh, is going on in your life. And we pray all day long that we not fall into that sin and we live a life of not doing it. Oh, no, there comes somebody I, do, I don't like. Help me not say something bad to them when we get there because I really want to tell them what I think of them. Oh, no, it's what, I can't believe they're in that store doing that. I can't wait to tell somebody. Oh, well, that's gossip. I shouldn't do that, you know, and, and start fighting that. There's a computer. Oh, no, I want to run to it and get all the Internet porn or something like that. You know, so we spend our whole day trying to keep from doing something bad. That's called being a captive to your sins. That's called willingly going back into bondage because your whole life is revolved around you trying not to do something bad. So what's the opposite of that, a life of freedom? A life of freedom is this. You get up in the morning and you say, God, help me love you and love other people today. And instead of going through your day trying to keep from being tripped up and doing something bad, you're intentionally looking for things to do that are good. Who can I help? Who can I say something that will encourage them? How can I make the day better for this person? How can I make our world a better place for the way I live and the things that I do? Your entire focus has changed. One is a focus of bondage of sin. Another is freedom in Christ. And Christ has set us free is exactly what Galatians tells us over and over again. Anybody here know who Danny Trejo is, the actor? Thank you. You all have been watching Machete, haven't you? I, I know, yeah, yeah. Danny Trejo's a bad dude, okay? He's, he's always the tough guy uh, in every movie the, that he is in. He's got an interesting story. When he was 18, he was sentenced to four years in prison for drugs and uh, assault. And he said when he was in prison, he was the angriest young man you'd ever met in your life. There was a riot in the prison unit he was in. Uh, he assaulted a guard, uh, broke several things, was out of control because he said he just wanted to hurt anybody, do anything he could. They threw him in, in what was called the hole in solitary confinement, and one of the guards told him, Trejo, you will never get out of prison the rest of your life. Hope you enjoy it. And he says, I will enjoy it. And then the guy leaves, and he said at 18 years old, he laid down on the floor in that solitary confinement, and he began to cry. And he said, God, are you real? Do you exist? Are you even out there? Because if you are, my life is a mess. And I don't know how to keep from being so angry. And I don't know what to do with all of this inside of me. And if you're real... I just give it to you. Danny Trejo was let out of solitary confinement, sent back to his cell because nobody was found that would testify against him. 
probably because he was a pretty intimidating person. So he had three more years in prison, so he took up boxing. Uh, and in boxing, he soon became the champion of the entire California penal system, winning the championship in San Quentin. Here's a picture of him shortly before that championship match. Danny Trejo was a bad dude and is a, a bad dude. Uh, so he was released right after that. And he said, God, I want to help people. So he became a drug counselor. He's only like 23 years old now. Became a drug counselor, began to work with kids. Uh, and he had an 18-year-old boy who he was working with call him and say, man, uh, all these drugs are everywhere around here. I I'm going to take them if you don't come and help me. And he says, all right, I'll be there in a second. So he drove down. It was a movie set uh, in Hollywood. He goes there, they're filming the movie Runaway with John Voight and Eric Roberts. He talks to the kid, and when he's leaving, the director says, hey, wait a second, I know you. And he goes, I don't think so. And he goes, you won the championship at San Quentin. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, man. He goes, we need an extra in our movie that's like a big intimidating guy. He said, do you want to do it? And he says, well, what part would I play? He goes, you're a prisoner. And he, and he says, well, I'd be typecasting, but yeah, I'd be glad to do it. After he had that, that, that role, the director said, hey, here's my card. I want to put you in my next movie. Danny Trejo has never looked back. He's, he's in all these Hollywood movies. Uh, he's a multimillionaire. But this is what Danny Trejo said recently to a group of prisoners at San Quentin. Got a picture of that right here as he was talking to them. He said this, every good thing that has ever happened my entire life has come from loving God and loving people. Can you imagine that being said to prisoners in San Quentin? Somebody like Danny Trejo, every good thing has come from loving God and loving people. My friends, that's freedom. Can you imagine if somebody was said to Danny Trejo, Hey, you're a punk kid, straighten up and start acting right. That would have helped, wouldn't it? But that's what we say to people all the time. Straighten up and act right. People don't need to straighten up and act right. People need to be born again through the power of Jesus Christ. And when they do, it changes everything about them. And they go from a life of captivity to a life of true freedom and joy in Christ. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the joy that you give us, the freedom that comes through your salvation. Father, forgive us that we add things and make the good news no longer good, that we try to earn it, that we try to be good enough and know enough. Father, help us to know, as we heard of every Billy Graham crusade ever, you take us just as I am. And that's still your call to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come out of sadness from wherever you So lay down your burden. 
you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you if you have prayer needs or want more information about us we invite you to stop by our website mywrbc.org and click on contact please use the word podcast in the subject line you can also find us on facebook twitter and instagram keyword mywrbc at westport road baptist church we love god and love people please join us for sunday morning service at either 9 30 a.m or 11 a.m We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.